Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. You know what church means? Church means the ones who've been called out. You ever been called out? For real? You ever been called out for like, like something commendable that you did? And people stopped and made mention of it, and you're like, oh, please stop. Anybody? You ever had that type of a moment where someone called you out, and you're like, oh, my goodness, please move? Like, like, like I know Dustin made mention of it, but Mark and Chrissy, you got a baby. <laughs> Unbelievable. Just want to call you guys out. How cool is that? Little baby girl. And uh, that's an amazing, amazing gift. You ever had, like, all the attention put on you in a moment like that? How about this? Have you ever been called out for, for the wrong things? <laughs> for some reason, more of you are like, yeah, that one I, I'm more familiar with. I, uh, I grew up I grew up going to church. Uh, it was like a normal thing in my family. I don't know if you grew up going to church. It was real normal for us. And, and uh, so w- when you're young, it's like every time your parents are going to church, you're going to church. And, and that happened to be a few times every Sunday. We were double dippers. And, uh, and so, so there was times where I would like fall asleep somewhere underneath one of the benches or, or pews and just kind of real comfortable in church. And then there's this moment of independence that comes when you're like, I'm going to sit with my friends now. I don't know if you grew up in church, you're like, you start sitting with your family and then you come to a point, you're still in the same room, you're like, I'm going to sit with my friends. We're going to sit two rows up over there where my parents sit two rows back over here. And, uh, and so we were in a pretty small church in a pretty small town. But for some reason, just that little space of independence, I felt like I could get away with stuff. But, but then my mom's also in the room, so I can't get away with stuff when your mom's in the room. I remember we'd be like in a worship set, like people are singing worship, and I'm not. I'm talking to my friend. And then I would just hear this like piercing sound through the sound of all the band and everything. I would just hear, Justin, like that. My mom would just whisper my name, Justin. And uh, he made a like, smile on her face, hands raised in worship, but she was not worshiping. She was just calling me out. And like to this day, that sound like sends tingles up my spine. Just that little ST of Justin. Justin. I'd hear my mom. I was being called out. It's like, I'm watching. God's watching. You ever been called out when you were like, like posing or flexing? Like you knew something, but you really didn't know. So again, grew up in church. So start like, you know, sleeping and then you get independent and you're sitting with your friends. And then I had this, this conviction. I'm like, I want to start serving. Like I want to be a part of something. I want to, I want to put my hand to it. And so I started serving in various areas in the church. One of them was, was, uh, doing sound. And so I, I'd roll up early and help set up cables and, and, uh, then I'll be back by the soundboard. And when, when you're like 13, there's this older group of elite people in the church that are just beyond cool. They're t- like 21. And you're like, wow, you are like a wise old sage. It's amazing. You know everything because you're 21. And uh, so I remember it was, like, it was like those guys who were like leading in that area. And I'm 13, 14. I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm at the big kids table. And uh, I remember this one time I'm talking to the guy who led. He's like, and then you got to adjust the EQ. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, do you know what EQ is? Didn't, but I said I did. I'm like, yeah, of course. It's E and Q, of course. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm going to have time to educate myself when he's not in the room. And I don't have to look bad while he is in the room. I can just, just pull this off. You ever been there in life? And then he goes, cool. If you know what EQ is, explain it to me. And I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> uh, busted. 
You ever been called out when you're, you're like faking it? Well, here's what church literally means. The word comes from a Greek word, ecclesia, which means the ones who've been called out. That's what we are. It's like God has just called us out. In the midst of what we were in, he called us out. And the Bible says that what we were in is darkness and what he called us into is light. So that's pretty awesome. It's like it's all of those. It's being called out for the right things that he loves us and for the wrong things that, that were lost in our sin and brokenness and for like the, the flexing kind of areas where we're like, oh, I'm a good person. And God's like, no, no, no. There's no one who's righteous, not even one. But let me get you out of that darkness and call you into light. We're the called out ones. God's called us out. And he's called us out so he can send us out. He's called us out of what we, was once normal to make us abnormal so he can send us out to be light in a dark place. It's an honor to be the church with you guys in the city of Vancouver. No matter what room we gather in, whether, whether it's here, whether it's at the library, whether it's at one of our other locations in New West and Kits, whether, whether one day we, we meet out in a park, wherever we happen to be, we get to be the church. That's why we're here today. We're not here because it's the thing to do on a Sunday morning. We're not here because we needed a pre, pre, pre-bowl, you know, Super Bowl party. We needed something to do to, to get us to the Super Bowl kickoff time. No, no, we're here to be church. God's called us out so he can send us out. Let me pray, and then we're going to dive into this message. Jesus, we invite you right now that every person in the room, every person under the sound of my voice, whether here presently or listening on a podcast, I ask in these next few moments that you would stir up faith inside of our heart, belief inside of our heart that we are the ones you're calling out. We are the ones you've loved and you've chosen and you're pointing your finger at saying you're mine. I pray that you would do that in our hearts. And no matter how cold our heart might feel right now, I pray for warmth to pervade it. No matter how how hard we feel, I pray that softness would come, that you do a miracle of belief on the inside of our heart. And everybody said amen. Man, Adam, I didn't see you saying amen. I'm just going to call you up, bro. Just kidding. I saw you say amen. <laughs> but you're the called out one. Hey, today, if you're taking notes, just write this down on the top of your page. Belief is a powerful thing. Belief. Oh, come on. Belief is a powerful thing. I'm getting excited for conference. You know what's crazy? Three weeks from now, conference will be done. It's going to happen three weeks. It's going to be over. Like three weeks from right now, we'll be done conference. We'll have just had this awesome weekend. We'll have guest speakers at all of our locations. Someone's going to roll up to church and be like, oh, who's this person? We're going to say they were our guests for conference. And someone said, what's conference? We're going to be like, are you kidding me? And then we're going to call you out because you weren't there. It's going to be unbelievable. Conference I'm excited about. And it, it's themed around this one statement that I simply cannot shake from my spirit. This simple statement, I believe. I believe because belief is a powerful thing. Belief is a powerful force in our lives. Got any sports fans in the room? Okay, three of us love sports. Now, now the three people who just cheered right now, first of all, you need to know you're my people. Second of all, you need to know you really love Jesus because you're here on Super Bowl Sunday. I love that. You love sports and you're still in church. Amazing. And the rest of you all, you're like, it's, what's Super Bowl Sunday and why does that matter? I love sports. I love sport, like all of it. Like when I have free times, I want to play sports. I want to talk about sports. I want to watch sports. I want to think about I like the I like the storylines of sports. I love the camaraderie of sports. I love the statistics of sport. I just love sport. I, I love all that goes into it. Do you know, today while we were sleeping, many of us, uh, Novak Djokovic won 
his eighth Australian Open title tennis player, Novak Djokovic, and he, along with Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal, the last 20 years, really, they've dominated the sport of tennis. They've won 56 majors combined between them. Like, like there's been no room for anyone else. No one else has eaten because they're, they're winning them all. And uh, so Novak, like those of you who don't care about sports, just indulge me here. He was, he was down 2-1 and uh, wasn't looking too good. And he said this, during the match, I, I, I started getting dizzy. I think I was dehydrated. I was throwing the ball in the air, and then as I was looking up, I couldn't really see, and I, I was disoriented. And, I, and he said this statement. He said, I couldn't believe it was happening. He's like, here's this guy who has overcome obstacles and, and in, in tough places. He, he's had huge comebacks in his career, and then he's struggling. He's like, I couldn't believe it was happening. And so because he couldn't believe it, he just didn't. Think of this. He took a timeout. He guzzled some water. He pounded some Gatorade. He came back and won. Like, like, I, like belief is a powerful thing. He's like, I couldn't believe that, that my preparation hadn't prepared me for this. So I didn't. I just went out and did what I know I can do. I think that's amazing. But belief is just this incredibly powerful thing. At every level of sport, you can see the people who have it and the people who don't have it. I mean, you can see the shoulders slump when, when someone knows, oh, the game's over now. And, and I'm, in, I'm in, the, in the stands watching that. It doesn't matter if I'm watching like an elementary school sport or all the way up to the pros. When you see that belief go, I just want to say it's too soon to stop believing. I mean, belief's a powerful thing. Don't give up in your believing. It's amazing what belief can do, simply choosing to believe. And I think when it comes to our faith, we, we can often tend to believe or think or be persuaded that, that, that faith should come easy. That, that believing things, it should, it should have like a, an, a feeling associated with it. And it, it should feel really natural. And so when it's hard work, we begin to question things. Or, or is that just me or you're with me on that? You know, the Bible actually puts it this way. In the book of Proverbs, it says, if you falter in times of difficulty... How weak is your strength? I think that's an interesting statement because, because when else would you falter? Like when possibly else would a person falter except for when things get hard? And, and then the voice of God would say this, that if you falter when things are hard, you weren't actually strong to begin with. And this is not God condemning us. This is God reminding us we got to put in the work. Like we got to put in the work of preparation when things are not difficult because when things are difficult, that's when you need your belief. That's when you need to know what you truly believe. Let me give it to you in the words of Jesus. Book of John, chapter 6. Turn there with me if you could. Book of John, chapter 6. We're talking about belief. This is why our conference would be themed around this very topic. Look at the book of John, chapter 6. Jesus is speaking to his disciples in, in verse 28. And I think their rhetoric is kind of similar to ours. They're asking Jesus this question around their faith. Verse 28, then they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Anybody like knowing you're doing it right? How many people you read the manual for things? Like, I just want to read the manual because I want to know I'm doing it right. How many of you only read the manual after you try and fail? (laughs) I got to go back and read the manual. Like, reading the manual feels like a failure to you. And so they were just, they're like, they're, they're reading manual people. They're like, Jesus, just give us the points. Points A, 
through D or A through W, doesn't matter. We just want to know what are the things we're supposed to do? What's the work look like? I get it. I know that like you've called us out for a purpose. You've called us out to send us out. So what is the work you want to put us to? I don't know what your story's been, but maybe you came to church thinking that today. Perhaps this is your first time in church. Like, I just want to figure out this God thing, figure out like what he expects of me. Perhaps you walked in today, like, it's not my first time in church, but it might be my last time in church because I feel like I keep faltering. I keep getting this thing wrong. Maybe it's your normal place to be on a Sunday. But they're asking this question, what do you want from me? What do you expect from me? Like, what's the, the output that you're anticipating that would equal a win? How many people like to know when they're winning? Really? Only those ones? The rest of you don't care? Come on, how many of us like to know? Yeah, it's nice to know. How good is it when an employer or a supervisor or a professor or a teacher or a parent or a person in authority tells you, here's what I'm expecting of you, and then after you do it, I'm going to praise you for it. And when you don't do it, I'll remind you how to, how to get there. Like, that is the ideal work environment. They're saying to Jesus, give us the expectations. We want the ideal work environment. I want to know if I'm winning. And Jesus puts it this way. He says, here is the work of God to believe in the one that he has sent. He goes, hey, here's the work I expect of you. Don't stop believing in me. Like, get this belief center right in your heart. Continue to believe. That's the work. And it's interesting that he says it will be work. It takes work to keep believing. Why? Because we can't always believe what we feel. Come on, somebody. Now, now listen, we will never be a church. Vivid's not the type of place where we're going to tell you to stop feeling. Feelings are good. Feelings are beautiful. They're just not always trustworthy. I, like, I, I struggle with this sometimes. Even, even in, in our house, like, like Jennifer, I want to know everything that she's thinking. But then sometimes she thinks things that I don't think. And sometimes she thinks things motivated by a feeling. And I'm like, okay, okay, don't feel that. Like, hold up, do I want honesty or do I want feeling? Like, I actually want both, right? And the, the, the thing is, feelings are beautiful. They just can't always be what we base our belief in. And, man, if you knew what our conversations sound like, it's mostly the other way where she's having to like, why are you feeling that right now? Like, like, because our feelings are flawed. Our feelings are quick to change. Feelings are beautiful. We just can't base your whole belief system on them because they can change quickly. So Jesus says, I don't want you to get a feeling, like do all the right things and you're going to feel like you're winning. I want you to keep believing in me. It's going to take some work. You also can't base what you believe simply on what you think. Like I I read this quote this week. It said this, it's maturity to understand that you shouldn't believe everything you think. Like actually as we mature, learning how to filter our thoughts and say, oh, that's a good one and that's a bad one. Like, that's, that's what maturity looks like. We shouldn't always just believe what we think. Just because we had a thought. Because guess what? The Bible says this, that there is now no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But, but, but I think condemning thoughts sometimes about myself. Is it just me? Like, when I, I fail or I falter, I have this voice inside of my head that's like, are you for real? You loser? How'd you let that happen? I expect more from you. God expects more from you. People expect more from you. You should hide that because if people knew that you were, oh, man. And I, I, I can think thoughts that are condemning. I can't be- base my belief system 
on simply something as, as fleeting as my thoughts because not all my thoughts are true. And sometimes my opinions change. I also can't just base my beliefs on what I see. Like, like I, know, I know the song goes, then I saw her face, now I'm a believer, right? But, but, but the truth is that seeing is not believing. Like, just seeing is not enough. Why? Because it gives way too much power to our neck. Let me explain what I mean. I can only look at one thing at one time. And if I'm looking at the wrong thing, that would mean I would be believing all the wrong things. Are you with me? I, I, like, it is possible to get focused on the one negative thing happening and miss all the beauty. Have you ever been there? It, like to get po- focused on the one failure and the one fault and say it's all hopeless and miss out on all of the beauty that's happening around you. But guess what? Jesus is omnipresent. He is all places at all times. And he is all powerful while in all places at all times. And we can focus on the one negative and go, it's all lost. All hope is gone. If I'm only basing my belief on what I see, I'm seeing the wrong things. I can also do the opposite thing where I focus on the one positive thing when there are a million things I should be working on right now. And, and I can tend to sometimes be the, oh, let's look on the bright side, guys. It's like, yeah, the bright side is there, but you actually have to put in the work. Do the work. Don't just like, like, like celebrate the one little thing that's like marshmallows and, and rainbows and butterflies. We actually got to put in the work here. So our belief needs to be more solid than simply what we're feeling in the moment. It has to be more solid than simply what we are thinking in the moment. It has to be more solid than simply what we're looking at in the moment. Belief that has impact is belief in the person of Jesus. I love this. He says, here's the work of God for you. The one thing I'm expecting of you, don't stop believing. Don't stop believing. Jesus actually puts it this way often. He's speaking to his disciples And he calls them this, oh, you of little faith. Now, I used to read that and read my own tone into it. And I'm like, man, Jesus is mean. Like, what a burn. They're trying their best, right? Like, they're they're, they're doing all they can do. And then Jesus is like, your faith is little. And I'm like, whoa, that's just hard. it's, It's like misreading the tone of voice on a text message. You ever been there? And you read okay, and you're sure they're like, okay. But they were actually like, okay. <laughs> it's like they just forgot to put the little, you know, perfecto emoji in there. And so you can read in your tone. I sometimes read my tone into that. I see Jesus calling his disciples those of little faith. I'm like, whoa, that's harsh. Do you know the word little in the Greek language, the word that Jesus chose, actually simply means short term. He's like, you've got short term faith. I also... As the pastor of this church, I got, I got short-term faith sometimes. Like, get me in the right moment. I'm like, oh, Jesus, if you ask me to do anything in the next three to five seconds, oh, my goodness, my heart is yours. My life is yours. I'm in. I'm all in. I'm all about it. I'm tired. I'm done. <laughs> you ever been there? Like, like short-term faith. Like, oh, I have the capacity for it. I just don't have the, the staying power. I don't Maybe you're like me. I've got the capacity for big faith got the capacity for big belief, but I got to work on my consistency. Got to work on the longevity of that faith. Jesus says this, it's going to be the work to do this. Continue to believe me. Like he's saying this in the midst of doing miracles. When he shows up at a funeral and he, he, he feels compassion for the mother who is now 
grieving her, the loss of her son. He's like, oh, let's turn this funeral into a party. And he goes up and he touches the casket and then the boy sits up and he's like, hey, woman, here's your son back. And the whole place goes crazy. It was not hard for the disciples to believe he was the son of God right then. I'm telling you, there was nothing about that moment. We're like, I don't know if Jesus really is, you know, what he's cracked up to be. No, no, they believed. When, G- when, when they were giving out food and they had five loaves and two fish and thousands of hungry people, and Jesus said, oh, that's enough. Yeah, that and a little faith, we're good. And he began to break the bread, and it multiplied until all 5,000 were fed, and they're like, we don't want any more. And the disciples had to come back to Jesus with leftovers and say, stop multiplying the bread. We don't have enough Tupperware for this, okay? Like, stop. Like, they had no issue of belief then. But when Jesus was falsely accused and dragged up to the cross and put on the cross and people were jeering him saying, if you're really the son of God, you could take yourself down right there. And Jesus, because he loves us enough, says, I'm not going to bow down right now to the jeering of people. I got long-term vision for you and for the joy set before me. I will endure this cross and I will, I will go through the suffering so that everyone in humanity has the potential to experience joy. Like that's when your faith gets rattled. That's when your belief gets shook. And that's why we do church. That's why we have a conference. I was thinking about this with our team this week. We have so much to do, and then we're throwing a conference into it. It gets so much work. And the question can be asked, why would we do this? Like, would it simp- like not just be simpler to not do this? The answer will always be yes. It's always simpler to do less. It's always easier to do nothing. But here's the thing. We are called to stir up one another's belief. We are called because someone in this room right now is at the top of their belief. Like you're fired up. You're ready to take on the world. You're ready to charge hell with a water gun. Like I got my super soaker. Let's go. And then there's someone right now you feel like like you're on the edge of dying. You're like, I'm done. It's over. Jennifer and I were traveling this week and we went on quite a few planes and trains and a couple of automobiles in there. It was a, it was a bit of a trip. And uh, and so we're in a plane, right? And, and, and the plane, you, you've had to wait in line for it. And then you've had to, like, get into your seat and fight with your, your luggage. And then you sit on the tarmac for a while. And then they go through the safety demonstration. And then you, then you take off. And then it gets delayed. And then you land. And then as soon as it lands, everyone stands up right away, right? Banging their heads. Things are falling out of the things. And then they grab their bags. And everyone's, like, sitting. And the one flight we were on was so hot. It's like they, they had, now I'm always warm, but even Jennifer was hot. This was, this was like sauna plane. And uh, so we're in a sauna plane. It's so hot. Everyone's holding their bags. And then like, why can't you just get the door open? Like we're landed, all right? We're already back on our cellular networks. We, we, we get it. And, and then finally the door's open and you make your way through. And then you get out of the plane. You go up the tunnel. And then there's the first restroom that everyone stops at. And everyone knows that everyone stops at that one, and yet they still drop all their bags and wait in line to use the bathroom, even though there's another bathroom two gates over, but we all do it. And then, and then we get on the people mover because we've all been sitting for hours, and so we just got to get on the people mover to move slow. I don't, I don't get it. I'm like, let's get out of here. I have been breathing other people's mouth air for hours. I just want a fresh breath of air, right? You get it, right? You know on a plane you're only breathing recycled air, right? It's been in everyone else's mouth. Okay. And someone's like, I'm never traveling again. And then we got through, and then you got like one last lineup. Customs check. 
They just got to give you the stack. Just one last lineup. And we, we showed up and we're, we're going through all of that. And, and it was one of those lineups with, uh, with turnstiles, right? Like the, like the ropes back and forth. And it was going back and forth, little switchbacks all the way. But up one side, like if you would just go through one switchback, then you got to that one open spot where they had opened up the ropes the whole way down. And it was a, a free line. There was no one in the line. It was just all the ropes set up. Now, I'm getting it. They're like, it's efficient. We'll keep these up. When there are more people, we just close them off. You get it. But this one lady who had just been on this sauna plane with us, waited in the lineup for the restroom, then moved on the people mover, and then got there. She's got her bags, and, and I watched her. She walked into the lineup, and then she just stood there and was like, <laughs> and there's no one with her. It's like her dialogue with herself was just that sound over and over. Oh, oh. And then she picked her bags back up and got out of the line. And, and, and I'm watching this happen, and I'm thinking, like, like, don't stop believing. You're so close. One more turn, and you're out of here. And I wonder how often in, in our own lives, like, that's where we get. We're, like, one turn away, and we're like, oh. And it's like culmination of all the frustrations we've felt. It's the culmination of all the disappointments and all the delays. And we find ourselves at the very end and we give up. And we lose heart and we lose hope. And by the time she clued in that the lineup was empty, the lineup was full. And she was waiting longer than she had to because she got discouraged in the believing. It's like, oh, just don't stop believing. It's always too soon to give up. Don't, don't stop believing. Belief has so much impact in our, our lives. I want to give you two areas that it impacts our life. Number one, belief impacts our life eternally. Belief has an eternal impact on the life of every person. John 3.16 says this, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes would not perish but have everlasting life. That is eternal life. Belief actually has an internal impact on our lives. Belief. God so loved the world. It means he believes in humanity. He's got this heart towards humanity. That he'd give his son Jesus the perfect gift. And all we have to do is believe. John 3.17 says this. Jesus didn't come to the world to condemn it. The world already stands condemned. And I think if we're honest, we all know that about ourselves. We know we're imperfect, right? Is it just me or do you know you're imperfect? Like in the quietness of your own heart, you know you're not perfect. And, and then we have this dialogue that goes on like, well, I'm better than some people. That's actually not the argument. The Bible says this, none of us are righteous, not even one. It says the world already stand, stood condemned because it was imperfect. But Jesus came to show a way to perfection. And the part we play in it is simple, belief. Belief has an internal impact on our lives. And if belief, which has this eternal impact, has got that much power, is also susceptible to the changing of emotions or what we're having to be looking at or the thoughts that we're thinking, my goodness, our belief needs to be in something more significant than circumstance. It has to be based in the person of Jesus Christ. If we don't believe in Jesus, he doesn't say this, Jesus came into the world to help you feel good vibes. And if you keep feeling good vibes, it's all good. He said that if anyone believes, it would not perish. Belief has this eternal impact 
on the lives of people. In not only my life, but all our lives. In Romans chapter 10, Paul is speaking, he says this, that, that how would anyone believe unless someone tells them? Like what a great thought that belief is the, the changing point for every person's eternity. And unless someone knows what to believe, they miss out on that moment. Like how would anyone know unless we tell them? I'm telling you, I wake up every morning excited about this thought that we have eternal potential that we can share with the people around us if we can simply help one another to believe. Believe all my my thought processes? No. Agree with all my opinions? No. But believe simply in this one thing. Who's Jesus? Jesus. He is God revealed, the love of God revealed, ready to take on the sin of humanity and give his righteousness. You get that thing right? Eternity. Oh, my goodness. Belief's a powerful thing. Belief doesn't only affect your eternity, but number two, it affects your life entirely. Like, like belief affects my life eternally, definitely. It, it is the way into eternal relationship with Jesus. I love that Jesus didn't say, I'm one of the ways. He said, I'm the way. We sang about it today. The way, the truth, the life. He's pretty specific about it. There's one way to the Father. It's through Jesus. It affects our life eternally, but it also affects our life entirely. Belief has this power to pervade every area of our life. Belief has this ability to not only affect the longevity of our life through eternity, but actually affect the quality of our life as well. Look at what Jesus says when speaking of faith. In in Mark chapter 11 in verse 24, if you could turn there with me, Mark 11 in verse 24. I love this. Mark 11 in, uh, in verse 24. Jesus, speaking of belief, says this. Are you there in your Bible? Someone's got a smartphone. You're there on your phone. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. I think we're probably past calling it a smartphone. Am I right? I'm sorry. I should have just said a phone. Of course your phone's smart. It says this, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it'll be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven can forgive your sins as well. He, he's saying this, like, like, don't miss the mark here that is all about Jesus. And, and, and Jesus is so compelled towards us and so loving towards us that, that if we even ask, it's his heart to give. Like, that's the heart and the nature of God. If there's been one thing that's, that shook my belief more than anything else is sometimes I ask and I didn't get what I asked for. And I don't really get that. But then I have this choice. Do I believe in, in the circumstance, in the subjective experience that I had, or do I believe in the person of Jesus? And there will always be things that, that cause me to, to question and to, to, to tweak and to sharpen like aspects of my faith, but, but who do I, be, I believe here? That's why it's worth the work. It's worth the work to get God's word in my heart so I can filter thoughts that would shape my beliefs negatively. I believe that every person lives on a foundation of their theology. They live built on a foundation of what they believe to be true about God. If God is one of the many options, they live indecisive and panicked. God, I hope I'm getting this thing right. If God is an angry, spiteful God who's a scorekeeper, we live trying to maximize all of our wins and hide all our losses. 
If God is unknowable, unsearchable, we live kind of listless, hopeless, and maybe even a little bit indulgent. We say, well, God doesn't care or know. He got this thing spinning, but it's up to us now. If God is impersonal, we feel disconnected. But if God is who Jesus has revealed him to be, man, we live gracious. We live forgiving. We, we live with some grace for ourselves. We live generous. We live purpose-filled. We, we live with a more long-term perspective that even when things go wrong, it doesn't mean that, that we're all wrong. We live understanding that our failures don't define us. The love of God does. And we, we live with passion for the people around us, more selfless. We live more community-minded. We live with this thought that, man, it's worth the work of getting up and, and being in the Word of God. It's worth being in church. It's worth putting in the, in the work to make a moment like this take place. It's worth, of course, we're going to be at, at conference. We have to spur one another to, to not stop believing. Belief is so powerful. It affects our life eternally and entirely. Every part of our life, every aspect of our life. God, the healer. God, the provider. God, uh, the, the one who draws close. Every piece. Every piece of our life. You know, this week was uh, was an emotional week. I don't know. Like, I think you'd maybe have to be living under a rock to not know that Kobe Bryant passed away this week, along with his daughter and seven other people. And so it carries with it emotion for different people in different ways. Some, the emotion would be that they followed his, his career and felt, you know, this connectedness perhaps to his story for years. And so there's the sense of personal connectedness that, that experiences loss. For some, it's the similarity. They go, I also have a child. And so I feel the loss. Or I also have a husband and a child. What it, would it feel like for the the, the grieving wife, what would it feel like for the daughters who now don't have a dad? For some, it is the the reminder of just pain in general. Like, that feels painful. I also remember the feeling of pain, and it brings it back to the surface. And, and then for some, it's like, oh, it wasn't even on my mind, but I'm, I'm watching people be affected, and seeing people be affected affects me. Anyone like that? And for some, it's like this post-mortem grieving. I didn't even know or care. But now the more I think about it and the more, more I read about it, now I start, I'm starting to care. And you have people who never even, like, recognized or knew the name. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, man, this means something. And then for some, it's like it hits a weird spot. And they're like, life is so hard and bad. Why are we focused on, on something that didn't affect us personally? We've got other negative things to also think about. But either way, like, stories like this have this, you know, profound effect. And, uh, and so I was reading, you know, this week. I, I've been one of those ones who, like, I, I've... I've followed Kobe's career since 1996. Feel like 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 I know a lot about the guy, respect a lot, like a lot. And uh, I was reading this story when he was 12 years old. Think of this: Kobe was the the son of a professional athlete, grew up in Italy, so he was the foreign kid whose dad was a six foot ten pro basketball player. Like he was known for that. Everywhere he went, like, oh, you seem American. Yes, I am. Thank you. Why are you here? My dad's a pro athlete. Wow. You're going to be a pro athlete too? Like that would have been his combo his whole life. When he was 12 years old, he went back to Philadelphia for the summer. And that particular summer, he played in the Sunny Hills Summer League in Philadelphia. And, and through the entirety of the summer, all the games that took place, he scored zero points. Zero. He says, I, I want to be clear. Like not that I scored few points. I scored zero points. I didn't hit a foul shot. I didn't hit a layup. I didn't accidentally let go of the ball and it happened to go in. 
I scored zero points. And he felt like a failure. His belief in who he wanted to be was completely shaken. And then two things happened. Number one, his parents said to him, whether you score zero points or 50 points, we still love you. And the belief they expressed to him sparked the second thing, where he began to say, if someone else believes in me, I'm going to start believing in myself. He said, I know what it feels like to fail. I wonder what it feels like to win. I want to find out. I know what it feels like to not, not, not hit my goals. I wonder what it would feel like to hit my goals. Whatever it takes, I'm going to put in the work. And as the story goes, I mean, he, he achieved pretty much everything he could achieve in that realm of life and then new ventures and new successes and new victories. But I'm reminded of this, that, that maybe you're in the room today and you're like, man, I, I have a hard time believing that there would be anything good for my life. Well, then let us as a church come around you and be the ones who will believe in you enough until you believe in yourself. The ones who will say, whether, whether you feel like you're crushing it or you're getting crushed, doesn't matter. We, we love you. We believe in you because that's what God feels towards you. Maybe you're here today and, and you feel like all I've tasted is defeat. I only know what failure feels like. like. I don't know what it would feel like to win. Guess what? God has a plan and purpose for you where he will coach you and he will walk with you and he will be with you and he will guide you and he'll remind you. And if you can continue to believe in him, you actually experience an impact that's eternal and, and, and it affects the entirety of your life as well. We want you to know that we love you. We want you to know that God loves you. We want you to know that you are believed in and, and that there's purpose for your life. And if you're one of the people here, you're on a high today, we need you. We need you to help us because there's someone else sitting near you who's at a low today. And we need our belief to be bolstered and, and, and empowered and strengthened because belief is a powerful thing. And it's always worth putting in the work. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.